Welcome to Harrison Church. This week we continue our journey through John Wesley's 22 essential questions to ask yourself as a Methodist. This week's question, am I proud? We hope you enjoy this week's message from Senior Pastor Shane Page. Can you see it? There's so much great found in the small. A full life of potential in a heartbeat. A massive tree in an acorn. Trillions of atoms in a speck of dust. So much said in a look. So much history in a scar. So much comfort in silence. The faith to move mountains in a seed. The greatest gift in pennies. A timeless sacrifice in a few breaths. The greatest of man in a servant. The universe is great in the small. Stars 1,000 times the size of Earth, just specks in the sky. Salvation in the simplest of prayers. The gift of eternity in an instant. Freedom from bondage in a choice. Fullness of life in the darkest of times. Power of resurrection in a word. The greatest significance in the smallest of steps. Can you see it? May we all come to see the great in the small. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming today to Harrison Church. We are delighted that you're, you're with us. If you're visiting with us, you've come to the right place. And, and let me just say, Elizabeth, you're just a great job. You know, Simon and Garfunkel, that's not easy to sing. That is tough. So thank you for that. Okay, uh, this is kind of my practice. I, I, I always want to catch us up where we are, especially for those, you know, this is maybe their first Sunday with us. We're in the middle of a sermon series uh, that we're calling the, the Essential Questions of John Wesley. For those of you who don't know who John Wesley is, he was the founder of the Methodist faith. And so many of us have been Methodists all of our lives. We have no idea what Wesley was about. So I'm kind of like, hey, what can we find out what Wesley was about? And, and John Wesley proposed a series of 22 questions that he believed Methodist people should ask themselves pretty regularly to kind of gauge where they are in their relationship with God, because sometimes, you know, there are peaks and valleys, right? We're far, we're distant, sometimes we can be close. And so uh, we're not going to look at all 22 of them, but we have looked at two of them so far. A couple weeks ago, I preached on the the first, which is actually number 22 on his list, Uh, and the question was, is, is Jesus Christ real to you? Like, is Jesus real? Is is he a material part of your daily life? Does he influence your decisions every day? Last week, that was a fun one. It was uh, this question, am I I creating the impression that I am actually better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? You know, it's like God is not about the masks that we put on. God knows us through and through. And so today, we're going to look at yet another one of his questions that all of us should ponder. And the question is simply this, 
Am I proud? Am I proud? So our lesson this morning is going to come from Paul's letter to the Philippians. I was thinking about this. I think it's a great uh, passage on this proud. Am I proud? I'm going to be reading from Philippians 2, and I'm going to encourage you and invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of God's Word this morning, Philippians chapter 2. So here's what Paul says to this congregation in Philippi. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then watch this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but out in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And then here he, Paul reinforces it. Let this same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he what? Emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he what? Humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, based on Paul's words and on John Wesley's question, am I proud? Are you proud? You know, in a way, we should be. Aren't there things in life we should be proud of? You think about your uh, toddler who takes the first steps, or you see your bride coming down the aisle. Uh, Maybe you finish a race you've been training for, like a marathon. I could never do that, but some of you have done that. You should be proud of that. I'm proud of what happened to this church last night. I'm proud that that playground's under construction. I'm hoping I will see it by the time I draw Social Security, but I am proud that it's happening, right? There's some things that we should be proud of, right? But we know that's, that's not what John Wesley's talking about. What John Wesley's talking about is that other impulse. It's what uh, the Christian tradition says is what caused uh, the devil, which was an angel in heaven, to fall, or what caused Adam and Eve in the garden to kind of take the bait, you know, this, uh, we must be like God. You know, this, this kind of bloated sense of superiority, pride, that kind of pride. Now, the classic definition of pride, sometimes we think we know what pride is, but we've never really heard the classic definition. For you note takers here, you'll you want to write this down. The classic definition of pride is this. It is the excessive, say excessive with me, excessive. It is the excessive desire for one's own excellence. It's the excessive, that's, in, that's key, the excessive desire for one's own excellence. Now, on the one hand, Excellence is actually a good thing, like to do things with excellence. You know, one of the things that the Bible teaches in the New Testament is that you and I, we should do, it says, we should do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that is the case, we should do everything with excellence. Why? Because if we're doing it for the Lord, He's excellent. So excellence is not a bad thing. The problem with us, and this is why John Wesley asked the question, is that you and I, we can misdirect, like, for whom we should be excellent, 
and then we can cause it just to be all about us. And what happens with pride is that all of a sudden your world becomes a sporting arena. Everything's about competition for the prideful. Right? You've got to win. And you've you got to show yourself to be superior. Prideful people will actually compete with themselves, too. It's not just other people. And if you're not better than everybody else, if you're not more excellent than everybody else, you believe that you have failed. You know, you, you, you get a, you get, somebody gets an A- minus on an exam in school, and a prideful person will be depressed for about a week with an A-. minus. Why? Because they're full of pride. They want to be the best. They wanted to be the most excellent. So, so pride is just like this, this, this sense of, of competing with other people. Now, some of us, we will confuse pride with what we talked about last week, vanity. Remember we talked about vanity last week? What is vanity? Vanity is the excessive preoccupation with your image. Like, how do you look? How do others see me? What do others think about me? And, and sometimes we can think that they're both the same, but uh, here, here's the difference between pride and vanity. Here it is. Prideful people actually want to be the best, but vain people only want to look like they are the best. See the difference? Like prideful people, if you've, if you've got pride, you literally will do the hard work that it takes, that is necessary to be the best, to be the most excellent, so you can feel the sense of superiority, whereas vain people will only do just enough work to look like they're the best. Like you say to someone with pride, if you gave some, a prideful person this deal, if you said, hey, uh, I will make you the smartest person in the world, but nobody will know, a prideful person would say what? I'll take it. But a person that's kind of preoccupied with image, if you said to the vain person, hey, I'll make you the smartest person in the world, but nobody will know it, they'll go, I don't know. I don't know if I want that deal. So you have to look. That is the difference between both of these. Now, here's the issue with us. This, the problem with pride as like this obsession with excellence is, is that in, in our world, we kind of want to say, well, what's the big deal about that? Why is that a sin? I mean, excellence is, is everywhere. We, 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 this is what we want, right? Uh, psychologists say that you and I, we need a lot of self-esteem in our lives. Uh, we need more. We need to feel better about ourselves. Uh, we need to be more self-confident. Uh, we see a kid and go, we say, give that kid a trophy. He's got a pulse, you know? We, we, we got we to feel good about it. I mean, think about it. Where would our entrepreneurial spirit in this country what would happen to that if we all just decided to <laughs> disregard this relentless drive to be the best? What would happen to that? That's why you and I have no idea what to do with Paul's words in our lesson this morning. We don't have no idea what to do with this. Paul, preaching to his congregation in Philippi, he, he, what did he say? He says, let none of you do anything anymore from selfish ambition. Uh, and from now on, don't even think about your own interests anymore. Think instead about the interests of the others. As a matter of fact, you should think of yourself not as being better than anybody else. You should think of yourself as being lower than everybody else. And then Paul says, let this mind, the way you think, let this mind be in you, the same mindset that was in Christ Jesus, who, although he was in the form of God, he did not think equality with God was something to be exploited, but instead he emptied himself. He humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a servant and even became obedient to death, even death on the cross. What? 
We won't argue with Paul over this. We won't say, well, where would our democracy be, for instance? What would happen to our democracy if all of us stopped worrying about our own individual rights and instead only focused on the rights of others? Or, hey, Paul, have you never read uh, Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations, the Bible of Capitalism? Because Adam Smith said, we're in a capitalist economy, that if you really want the economy to do well, then everybody needs to focus on their self-interest. Like, you need to focus on your financial self-interest, and I need to focus on my self-interest, and that's how the market works. I mean, if we decided to do the opposite, the market might come crashing down, right? Hey, Paul, what's wrong with a little ambition, little excellence, little obsession with being the best. That is why I agree with another theologian who said that none of us would really believe that pride was a sin unless God said it was. None of us would believe that this pursuit of ambition and being the best would be a sin at all unless God told us. I was thinking this week, if you read uh, the middle of the Bible, it's called the book of Proverbs. There's a whole bunch of little Proverbs on pride. I'll read a couple of them to you. Here's one of the Proverbs. One of them starts like this. It says, these six things God hates. That's pretty strong. And then the very first thing it says that God hates, it is a proud look. That's what it says. Here's another one. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Or then there's that one that some of us know that even the secular world uh, can quote, pride goes before fall or pride goes before destruction. God, it's, it's just everywhere. You know, John Wesley asked, am I proud? Am I proud? The thing that annoys me about John Wesley's question, am I proud? It's a, it's a trap. It's a total trap. I mean, if you're in a group of people and you were to say around these people, well, I'm not proud, well, then everybody around you would just say, well, you're just too proud to be honest with yourself. You're just too proud to answer the question. I mean, say to yourself, well, starting today, I am going to work on my self-interest. Well, then as soon as you say that, what happens? This project of losing your self-interest just becomes another part of your own self-interest. You're thinking of yourself all the time. It's like this trap. Some people call it humble bragging. Have you heard this? You ever heard of the expression humble bragging? It's like this new thing. I think it's popular among the millennials. It's, a, it's, it's supposed to be like a nice way of saying something that sounds very humble and it sounds very modest, but actually what you're really saying is, I'm pretty awesome. Like somebody will say this. Oh, man. All my clothes look terrible on me. I've lost so much weight. <laughs> or, uh, you know, someone will say, like, oh, man, the, the company must really be desperate to, to put someone like me in such a lucrative position. Oh, please be quiet. You know, I've had some clergy say things like, man, I am so sleepy. Man, you get up at 5 a.m. to pray. It's hard to get through the day. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, I, I read at Humble Brag. I mean, I, I read at an article uh, some time ago that says, hey, next time you feel the need to humble gra- brag in, in front of people, just brag. Okay, just, just come out. You'll have more friends, it says. If you'll just come out and just brag. Just say it. We'll have more respect for you. Um, I thought what I would do this week, uh, I, I, just, I like to do this, is, you know, we got John Wesley's question, am I proud? I thought what I would do is kind of pile on <laughs> and uh, kind of ask some other questions for you to reflect on that might be able to 
gauge or measure whether you got some pride in your soul. You ready for this? You ready for your exam? All right. Even if you get an A minus, it's okay. All right. Here's one. Are you only satisfied with the best things? It's got to be the best food. Got to be the best clothes. Got. Is your motto like that uh, car commercial? Uh, the best or nothing. Ah. Here's one. Do you insist on being right all the time? Pride. Here's another one. Do you seek or fish for constant affirmation from others? Now, I got to tell you, you ask about 99.9% of all clergy, they have to answer yes to that question. I'm speaking for the clergy here. You know, because we clergy, we... we, (laughs) We like to be liked, and we want you to like our sermon, and we want to hear you say that you liked our sermon. Otherwise, we're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What have I done? Yeah. Even though, even though the thing that, the person that we really should care about whether he likes our sermon or not is Jesus, like there, there are some sermons I can imagine that Jesus really likes, even though the people don't. And then I can imagine there's some sermons that Jesus doesn't really like, and yet the people do. Sometimes it can happen that way. Sometimes we'll, we will just say something in front of other people. We'll say, well, I'm just a horrible person. And what we're doing is we're fishing, and we want somebody to say, oh, you're great. See, there's pride in that. I'm almost done. Hang in there. Here's one, and I got this idea from some other people I was asking about. It is this. Are there certain jobs or tasks that you think are beneath you? That's a good question. Uh, Mother Teresa was once asked, what do you think your greatest achievement in life was? You know what Mother Teresa said her greatest achievement was? She said this. She says, I am an expert in cleaning toilets. And if you came and you visited where she served, the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, if you were there for a few days, guess what you would get to do that week? You would clean toilets. And the reason she did this and the reason she cleaned so many toilets is because she believed that no, nothing should ever be beneath us. We should never have that mindset. I thought for fun what we might do today, I I totally chickened out. I said I could just like tape a toilet brush underneath one of the chairs and I would say, reach down under there, anybody. And then you could just say, wow, you got the toilet brush. You get to clean the toilets after the church today. I'm not going to do that. That would be silly. But I will ask you this. If that were to happen, be honest with yourselves. Would you feel slighted? Would you be upset? Would you be kind of mad? That's pride. It's pride. Nothing can be beneath us. All right, a couple more questions. Uh, are you always critical of others? You're always pinpointing what's wrong, what's wrong. You've know, you got standards. Are you always doing that? That could be a, a measure of pride. And the last one, which I thought I was going to spend more time on, but I, I, I don't have the time today. I may do this another time. But this was really big for the great spiritual athletes of the faith is this. How do you react when someone criticizes you? Like, do you get mad? Do you seethe for a couple days? Ooh, that can be an indication of, of pride because pride always thins the skin. Always thins the skin. All right, uh, John Wesley said that there were at least two things that can really inflate our egos. Two things. Success is one he talked about. And then on the other side is holiness. Like having a great deep relationship with God. 
can actually inflate your ego. Now, the success part, we can kind of understand that. John Wesley, when he was an older man, he reflected on his ministry, and he noted about all those sermons that he preached on, hey, guys, you need to work hard. You need to live simply. You need to be radically generous. You know, be good stewards of what you have. And then he noted over the course of years that there were a lot of Methodists who did this, and they worked hard. And, and they lived simply, and they gave lavishly, and God blessed them, and they ended up with more income, and, more, and, and then they ended up building more and more wealth. And then he was like, oh, no, here's what's happening. These simple Methodists who were so humble years ago, now that they're doing everything I told them to do, now they're gaining their net worth, and now they're walking around as if their opinion really matters. You need to listen to me because what? I have assets. There was a gentleman in ministry that I know. This has been a few years ago. And he was having a conversation with one of the parents of the youth in the youth program. And she came to visit him to talk about the changes that he made in that program. And after some back and forth, you know, he was trying to give her all the theological, you know, grounds for why they made the changes that they did. After this long back and forth, she just simply said this. Do you realize how much money I make per year? And he just like, what am I supposed to respond to that? Then after the meeting, he said to me, you know, we, we always think that it's the poor that have a sense of entitlement when the rich can be just as guilty. You know, you never see the poor saying, do you realize how much money I make per year? Do you know who I am? Right? That, all of that is, it is pride. Okay, that's success. The other part, though, I, I won't spend much time on this, is the holiness, man. That holiness can actually inflate your ego. In other words, the danger of growing in your faith, and this is what I want you to do. This is why I went into ministry, so you grow in your faith. And the danger of becoming more Christ-like, which is what I want you to do, is that there's this risk that all of a sudden we can begin to notice the flaws in other people. And we're like, well, how come, how come they don't take their faith seriously? Uh, how come they don't read their Bible like I read my Bible? How, how can they have that opinion? If they're, if they're really of God, they wouldn't have that opinion, right? And, and what happens is that we can kind of get this spiritual pride. And we become like the Pharisee in, in Jesus' uh, story. Remember the Pharisee that went to church? Very holy man. And he prayed to God. He said, God, I give you thanks that I am not like other people, especially scoundrels like that, who really shouldn't be in the church, right? That's spiritual pride. And that's always a risk to us. It always kinds of, uh, uh, it happens. All right, so last week... You know, I, I said in my sermon that the only antidote, the only prescription for hypocrisy, which is, you know, we're all about creating this impression, the only prescription to hypocrisy would be vulnerability. You know, when people get real. You know, you can't be a hypocrite if you're real with people. If they see your brokenness and they see the things that are ha- uh, happening in your life that are good, you, you can't be a hypocrite. Well, the, our Christian tradition says there's only one prescription for pride. Anybody want to know what it is? It is humility. That's it. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Sometimes we can do that. Sometimes we can think, oh, I'm just a terrible person. No, that's not humility. He says humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is simply thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less is what humility is. He noted the thing about us when we get really prideful is that we're always looking down on everything. We have this bloated ego, and we're always looking down. He says, but the humble 
have learned to start looking up. And, and they know their place in the universe. They, they know that, man, I exist. I didn't have to exist. And the humble people never look at anything that they have accomplished in their life as, as coming from themselves. It's just a gift from God, man. This is a gift from God. The word humility uh, actually comes from the word hummus, not the dip. It comes from a word hummus, humility, hummus. The word hummus means soil. It means dirt. It means dust. In other words, the humble know that they are dust, and to dust they shall return. See, the truly humble people, they realize how self-aware that they are. They know that they are just dust. They are going one day to die. And, and the humble know that all arrogance and all boasting, how silly that is when all mouths are going to be silenced at the grave. But see, the humble are not afraid of that. See, when pride's over, uh, over your life, you don't even want to think about your own mortality. The humble are not afraid of thinking about that. They know that they're creatures, that they are dependent, that they are so small, like that video said, just so small in the broad scheme of things. See, we should be humble because, man, we, we're dust. We're dust. And we're so dependent on God. The main reason, though, that you and I should be humble and that God calls us to be humble is because God is humble. Usually we don't like to think of God as being humble. We like to think of God as being Zeus, who wants all the accolades. That's not who God is. You heard that passage just a moment ago, didn't you? I mean, the Christians believe in a different kind of God. I mean, Paul says that we worship a God right now who, who left his throne from on high, who, who, who entered the, the womb of a virgin and, and grew for nine months hidden and in the dark. And this is a God who was born to a very humble family and who lived in obscurity for years before his ministry began. And even when this God's ministry began, he did not hang out with the first class people. He hung out with second-class people, third-class people, fourth-class people. There was no load that he would not go. This is the God that when they criticized him and reviled him, he didn't get angry. He didn't say anything in response. And this is a God who became so obedient, even to the point of death. The publicly shameful, humiliating death on a cross. And that is why God exalted him. God exalted him because he was the most humble among us. There is no self-interest in God. He only thinks of you, of others. All right, John Wesley. Am I proud? Yes. As are you. And although I would really like to end my sermon right now by giving you two tips on how you can become less self-interested, I realize that if I did that, you would just be thinking about yourself and you would become more self-interested. So maybe the best way I can end this sermon, which I hope you liked because my ego would be bruised if you didn't, 
Maybe the best way for me to end this sermon is, is, is simply to say, forget everything I just said. Forget this sermon. Just wipe it from your memory. Forget this moment where I'm talking to you. I mean, even if you tried your best, don't fall into the trap of thinking that you can leave this place and somehow work on taming your pride because that's a very arrogant thing to think. Maybe the best thing I can tell you is like when you leave here, just look up. Just look up and think of the God for whom there was nothing too far beneath him at all. And who humbled himself and stooped low enough to save you. Let those who boast, boast in the Lord. Let us pray. Well, Lord, you got us, and Wesley has trapped us with this. We are a prideful people. We do think about ourselves. We do pursue excellence too much, and we do forget that we are just dust and helpless and so dependent on grace and mercy. But despite who we are, we nevertheless can focus on who you are. You are the God who reaches down, who did not think being equal with glory was worth it, but instead came and humbled himself for us. So I pray that we will leave here this morning thinking only about you and that we might learn the way of humility. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Harrison Church now offers Text to Give, a quick and easy way to tithe or donate anytime, anywhere. Text HUMC and your gift amount to 73256. For more information, you can visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.